Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing. Deep left field. This is way back. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. You've got questions, we have answers. Hopefully. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today, a mailbag edition. On Saturday, March 19th, Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers and Scott White. Scotty, making his return to the mailbag. How's it going, bud? It's going great. Going great. Going great. Full transparency, we're recording this on Thursday, St. Patrick's Day. Chris, will you be enjoying a Guinness or maybe another ice-cold beverage on this day? I will certainly be having some sort of beer. I don't know if it'll be Guinness. Um, I don't really know if the the bar that I typically go to has Guinness. I can't mm. remember. Um, so Shame we'll see. Them. You know, maybe Shame some, on them. Uh, maybe some Jameson. Oh, whoa. All right. Chris. To celebrate my Irish heritage. Yeah. Are you Irish? I don't have any Irish heritage. All right. I was say, if you look real close Scottish, at my beard. Scottish, if you go far enough back. If you look real close at my beard, I have I have some red, some orange in here, but you know, you, you've, you've got to get close. I don't know if you want to get that close. Uh, let's jump right in. We've got some Apple podcast review questions. We have your emails as well. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. And this first one is from I Feel Your Pain. My only for sure keeper is Mike Trout in round one. Keep five of the following in a head-to-head points league. Can keep as long as I want for their previous year's draft value. Undrafted players count towards the latest draft pick that is open. Austin Riley, undrafted. Luis Robert, round 22. Spencer Torkelson, round 17. Zach Wheeler, round three. Chris Sale, round 11. Shohei Otani, the pitcher, round 13. Alec Manoa, undrafted. And Noah Syndergaard, round 23. All right, keep five. Mm-hmm. Scott, what are we thinking? Uh, Riley, Otani, uh, Man- Robert, Robert, Manoa, and probably, probably Wheeler in round three. Though I could be talked out of that. All right. Yeah, that's that's one where I'm not sure Wheeler in round three is a surplus value right now. Obviously, if he's healthy, he would be, um, but not so much that it would be an obvious value anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're gonna keep a fifth one, he's by far the best player, and so the right. value doesn't matter all that much. Like, I'd rather have him in the third than Manoa. I think. Well, um, Manoa was one I picked, but but like Cindergarden round twenty three. Cindergarden round twenty three. Really Sailing kind of around eleven. Make. You want to yeah. make sure your keeper is impactful first and yes. foremost. Yeah, I think Riley, Robert, Manoa for sure, just based on the value. Um, Otani around 13, I like it. Yeah. If 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 Sale wasn't hurt, it would be Sale over Wheeler for me. Correct. But yeah. yeah. With, with that, with the rib strain or the fractured rib, we just, yeah. there's no way you can I, do that. Yeah, he's yeah, going to miss half the season at least, I think. 
Yeah, it's tough. Let's go with Zach Wheeler there. Round three is the last one. This one's from I-M-S-H-N-E. Grade the trade. 12-team head-to-head points with 10 keepers. I just received Rafael Devers. I have now traded Marcus Semien and Framber Valdez to get Jose Ramirez. So now I have Devers and Ramirez at third base and my corner infield spot. I was not keeping Valdez, but felt I could flip Semien for a points league monster in Ramirez. I also got a 12th round pick while giving my 13th. So... All right, let's just grade the initial trade here. It is Marcus Semien and Framber Valdez for Jose Ramirez, 12-team head-to-head points. Yeah, that's... Hey. Yeah, that's an A, I would say. Anytime you can get a first-round caliber player without giving one up. Let alone... You do it. <laughs> moving up and around. You know, he, he got a 12th for a 13th, so he's also swapping the worst pick for a slightly better one. So, so we just did... A+. plus. To put this in perspective... Uh, maybe this is a good way of doing it. So we just did a, he- a 12-team head-to-head points, same size and format, uh, salary cap draft. And Ramirez went for $47. Evers went for 33 Rombard Valdez went for 9 So just, you know, just by that measurement, 47 compared to 42 And I, you know, I don't even think that's necessarily the best way of looking at it, but it's it's another way of looking at it, and you make out ahead in that, too. All right, this next one is from Jaxico Burris. Dear DeGrom, Darno, and Den Decker. Those are former Mets whose first names begin with lowercase d, or last names begin with lowercase d's. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Den Decker, I didn't... I think Den Decker was a Met, right? yeah. I think he was. I think so. Sounds about right. Interesting. Uh, need help selecting my sixth keeper. We keep six each year as our first six draft picks. Six by six with OPS added for hitting. Uh, innings pitched, quality starts, K per nine as the... They're like added categories, but they replace some other things that you know we're not used to um, on the pitching side. I'm keeping Bo Bichette, Brandon Woodruff, Starling Marte, Pete Alonzo, Jose Altuve. I need one more. You Darvish, Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rendon, and Wilson Contreras. So that would basically be his sixth round pick. Is it worth it? No. Well, hmm, I wonder if everyone's keeping that many players. Schwarber, maybe Schwarber, Schwarber. If you're swapping average for OPS, OPS is just. Or I added. guess you're not swapping it; you're adding OPS. Right. Um, None of us would take Schwarber in round six, right? It's I as just, simple it, as that, so, isn't it? If it was average instead of if it was OPS instead of average, I think I would, because you're talking about a potential 900 OPS guy who might hit 240. Um, but with average plus OPS, it becomes a little riskier. He does he he does basically project to be very good or elite in four of the six categories here: you know, home runs, runs, RBI, and OPS. It's just. I mean, it depends, He's a relative who you, nothing. it depends who you ask, obviously, because if he did project to be elite in all those categories, he wouldn't go as late as he does. Sure. All right, so, Scott, you're not keeping any? No. And, yeah, I think I would pass on those. All right, this next one's from Chai Sox in 22. Can Tony LaRusso make it happen? Who knows? Keeper question. 14-team head-to-head. 7-by-7. Seven seven. Need to keep four, and they represent our first four-round picks. My first three are easy, with Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, and Juan Soto. Have to choose between Kyle Tucker and Wander Franco, who has eligibility at both third base and shortstop. 
which I believe might be the standard on Yahoo. So that's interesting. We haven't really talked about that, but it definitely helps Wander Franco if he has third base eligibility. It helps, but I don't think it comes close to bridging this gap unless you're talking about like the next five years. But even then, Kyle Tucker's what, 24? He's currently better than Wander Franco. And, you know, I, I think Wander Franco will develop in time into an elite fantasy option or, or you know, he has a very good chance to. But mm-hmm. based on what we've seen so far, I do have concerns about what kind of fantasy asset he's going to be this season. You know, his his like 150 game pace last season was what, 15 homers and four steals, something like that. So I'm not. And like it wasn't like the underlying numbers suggested that he hit the ball incredibly hard. You know, obviously he's twenty; he should get better. But I actually don't think he's going to be a stolen base guy in the majors. I'm not counting on that from him, given the fact that he was like a fifty-five percent success rate guy, and it's the Rays. Mm-hmm. So I think Kyle Tucker's the better option here. It is a seven by seven league, and I assume that two extra hitter categories would elevate Wander Franco quite a bit. It's, Depends it's on really, what they are. It's really just the five by five categories that you know if if he's exactly who he was last year you wonder if it's going to be enough to live up to his adp well i think it depends what those two extra categories right, that's are what i'm saying they are you know, obp they are I mean, probably pretty close hold on it's runs home runs rbi steals strikeouts total bases obp yeah all the all i think those last three categories a- would definitely help wander franco's case I mean, I think OBP is a wash, and total bases is definitely Tucker. Uh, like, uh, ultimately, it's not really an argument because Tucker's a first rounder already. So, why are you giving up an, a a current first rounder for a hypothetical first rounder? Yeah. So, I guess that makes it easy. We'll go with Kyle Tucker. This one's from Vilwalk79. Dear Earl, Frank, Brooks, Jim, Eddie, and Cal. Those are Baltimore Orioles. Uh,. I definitely cannot name all of them, but you guys Earl Weaver, can. Frank Robinson, Brooks Robinson, Eddie Murray, Cal Ripken, and Jim, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer. That sounds right. I don't know when we've ever done a six-man podcast, though, so uh, <laughs> I don't know which of us is supposed to be which here. That'd get pretty messy pretty quickly. Yeah. 12-team t- uh, mixed roto with 5x5 five five scoring using OBP and saves plus holds. We can keep... Uh, we can each keep five players for $3 more than the previous year's contract, leading to pretty high player values in our live auction. I have Vlad for $9, Jose Ramirez for 40 Walker Bueller for 9 and Freddie Peralta for 6 My thoughts on J-Ram is he'll be much more expensive in the auction, and I will be locking down third base. Am I right to keep Ramirez, or should I throw him back and keep an extra of the two keepers mentioned below? So depending on that answer, uh, which one or two? Miles Straw for four bucks, Jesse Winker for five, or any of Alex Kirloff, Ranger Suarez, Framber Valdez, Shane Boz, or Alex Wood for three bucks? No, you definitely keep Ramirez. It's yep. no question. And even, even a better format for him. OBP instead of average. Yeah. And even um, you know, even if it was just a even if you weren't factoring in for inflation because of all the low dollar players being kept in a 12 team roto league, I would expect Ramirez to go for four more than $40. So yeah, yeah, he might go for like $60 in your format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's the kind of thing where 
even if you just like look at the total value, $64 for Ramirez, Vlad, Bueller, and Peralta, even if you're paying a little extra for Ramirez, you're you're locking in two high high impact bats, top six picks overall. Um, and in this format, I mean, you can make a not unreasonable case for Ramirez as the number one player in this format. Because you're going to get similar steals and uh, homer production, probably similar runs in RBI from him as Trey Turner, but probably a better OBP, right? Or at least very close. Yeah. Um, yeah, it should be close because obviously the batting average is lower, but the walk rate is higher. So it's probably close to a wash there. Uh, he does need one more keeper between Straw for four bucks, Winker five, Kirilov, Ranger Suarez, Framber Valdez, Boz, and Wood for three. I think even though we're all not really excited about Winker, he's probably the best value at five. Yeah, I, I, I think you could consider Shane Boz as like a now and future value because I think he's probably valued as more than a $3 player by all of us. And you know, obviously there's the potential for him to be a $20 player next year or more. So I I think I would go... I might just go Boz. Mm. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I think I agree with Chris. All right. I, I considered Straw just because OBP is his better format, so he is a better option here. And, you know, for $4, that could... Him and Ramirez could go a long way to making sure you don't have to worry about stolen bases. It's, um, an, it's a nice combo with Vlad, too, because, you know, Vlad's not giving yeah. you any speed and obviously gives you so much power, so... Yeah, so I, I would consider straw as well. I might I, I might have straw over Winker at four dollars versus five. All right. This next one is not strictly a, an OBP. This next one's not a question, but I had to ask about it because I, I don't know about this story. This one's wait, from wait wait wait, 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 hang on a second. Hang on a second. Winker's better in OBP too. Even more so than straw is. Winker's uh, one of the sure. best players in baseball. Yes, he has a very good OBP. However, with straw, the the idea would be that you're locking in a potential elite stolen base guy who's helpful in OBP. That that's my thought. Whereas Winker, yes, he's very good in OBP. He's going to give you a very good OBP. But mm-hmm. as we talked about the other day, you know, the I think the counting stats might be pretty lackluster. And so I think there's a chance that Winker's like the counting a stats good are hitter who's an OBP gonna be, specialist. Obviously going to be lackluster in Straw's case, though. I mean, it's... Sure, sure, just, but it's the stolen base scarcity. Tout Wars, my Tout Wars draft is 15-teamer, but it replaced OBP with batting average. Winker went in round three. I don't think he should have gone in round three, but he went in round three, which yeah. goes to show you... That's uh, fair. You know, he gets on base a ton. Do you know where Straw went in that draft, Scott, offhand? I mean, I'm sure it's much later than when Winker did. Much later, but. yeah. Yeah. Round 10 or beyond, I'm not sure. I saw a report recently, too. One of the beat writers for Seattle said that they expect Winker to play more against left-handed pitching this season. So he's very bad against lefties. I think we have enough of a sample of just his major league career against lefties. It's quite bad. So maybe that even brings down the overall numbers, the the overall batting average and OBP for Jesse Winker this upcoming season. Uh, As I mentioned, this next one is not a question, but uh, some kind of story that I've got to find out about. This one's from Frank Hippolito. Big fan of Scott White. I still smile whenever I think about that time he was chased down by a scary clown. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
I do not smile thinking about that. That was one of one of a handful of moments in my life where I had the honest thought I might be about to die here, you know? Like that probably three or four moments in my life like that. That was one of them. Yeah. It was it was terrifying. Well, Scott, can we get some deets? Because uh, I don't know the story. Oh, I don't know if I want to relive it, but okay. So I was, you know, I was leaving. We lived in an apartment at the time. I was leaving my apartment for whatever reason. There was this tree right outside between the apartment and where my car was parked. I, <laughs> I glanced over at the tree, I guess, because I saw some color or some movement or whatever, and kind of standing behind the tree, like, she was hiding <laughs> like she was hiding, but the tree was too narrow. Like the tree was, it's like a skinny tree. So it was a bad job of hiding, like kind of pretending like I'm hiding, but I'm not really hiding, you know? And it's this clown made up all like scary, like though, you know, like scary facial paint and everything, like purposely scary looking clown. And I look at her and she grins at me. And she starts walking toward me. <laughs> I freaked out and ran. Because <laughs> that's a rational response, right? Well, was this Halloween or just like a random day? No. no. But you do you remember <laughs> in the news a few years ago? <laughs> it was like this trend of like these packs of clowns terrorizing people. You remember? <laughs> I, that sounds and, and, familiar. And that this happened when that was going on. I don't blame you, man. I mean, it was broad daylight, <laughs> but wild. still. It, <laughs> that's what happened. Jeez. <laughs> this was like four or five years ago. All right, Chris really liked that one. Chris is like falling out of his chair for those watching on YouTube right now. YouTube.com slash fantasy. I'm sure I had the exact same reaction <laughs> the first time I heard this. It's terrifying. It is. Uh, not even Halloween either. That and, is. And the thing wild. is, like, I had, I didn't know, like, I ran back to my apartment and I'm like, <laughs> why would I run here? This is, this is just leading the <laughs> maniacal clown back to my family. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. But like, the clown came and knocked on our door and my wife answered, even despite my pleas for her not to. <laughs> and, it, and it was the neighbor. What? The neighbor. I don't know why the neighbor was dressed up as a clown. <laughs> that adds a whole other element to the story. Like well, Scott's there know, begging you know his wife. You live in a and your neighbors are constantly changing. It's not like we were having block parties or anything. But. <laughs> yeah. All right. I know what to tell you. I was, <laughs> was lucky to make it out of that one. I'm happy you did, Scott. <laughs> Here today, we need you. Uh, we need you on the pod. We need to answer more questions, so we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, oh, emails here. Fantasy baseball today, worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players. The New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. 
The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so let's answer some of your emails. FantasyBaseball at CBSI.com. That is the letter I. This one's from Elliot. Dear Wayne, Derry, and Squirrely Dan. (sighs) Wayne. This is one that I feel like if I knew it, I would know it. Mm -mm. This (laughs) is... If you know, you know. uh, It looks like... Something called Letter Kenny? No idea. Okay. How much... My friends were very into that. I've never watched it. No idea. How much do you guys think about, quote, stacking when making your picks as a draft progresses, as in choosing two batters on the same team that are close in the batting order might mutually benefit from the RBI and runs produced in a single play? I'm guessing Chris has looked up some math on this somewhere on how much of an impact it really has. Of course, this comes to mind because I was able to keep Trey Turner this season, and now I'm wondering if I should be aggressive in getting Freddie Freeman or Mookie Betts in the second round. I also think there may be opportunities later in the draft to stack Yankees or Blue Jays. I had Lindor and J-Ram in 2018 and felt like I was constantly experiencing double happiness. Do you find yourself reaching for players in a draft that would give you a stack? No. No, this this feels like more so, of a fantasy football thing. Well, it, it's a the the way I would look at it is it potentially increases the like total upside of your team if you know and a, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman both have high you know high variance or high outcome seasons, you know, but that would also be true if you just had them on your team, you know? Like right. I think the where it can make more of an impact would be in obviously DFS is where this concept really comes from, but right. also weekly leagues. You know, you could have scenarios where you have an especially good week because you have players on the same team who all go off at the same time. However, it shouldn't be more than a tiebreaker. Like I think Freddie Freeman is fine to draft in the second round. And I, yeah. if you took Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts at the one two turn. I think that would be a perfectly reasonable thing to do. But that's also because I have them ranked that high. It's not yeah. because you have Trey Turner. Yeah. So that's it's, it's I mean, a the, very minor tiebreaker at best. The the idea behind it in DFS is your um if that team happens to have a great night, yeah. then your team will benefit. But like when you're when you're talking about the a full season, the yeah. context of a full like players are going to end up with the numbers they end up with, irrespective of what. Yeah, I mean, baseball baseball is kind of weird because it's a team sport, but it's it's also an individual sport. So every player 
does what he does independently of what's happening around him. And yeah, there's some with runs and RBI there, there's some, uh, you know, it, 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 there, there's some degree of, of um, lineup context mattering and all of that, but not to a major and, and degree. The biggest thing is those things are already baked into their prices. Right. So yep. yeah. in a season long roto, especially, I, I don't think it, it really matters at all. Um, except that it, I guess, slightly increases the chances of like a truly huge outcome for those for your team i guess Mm -hmm. now you brought this up recently frank that you've had teams before where times before where you invested in too many rockies hitters right and so when they were on the road your whole lineup suffered so there may be something to that very specific scenario where you know, that one park where everybody's much worse on the road than they are at home. Or like you could envision a scenario where like the Phillies draw the short straw and they end up having to face Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom every single time they face the Mets, you know, in all six series that they play against them. But I don't know, even then. You you can't anticipate that in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, it's a good point that you bring up, Scott especially in head-to-head leagues with, you know, any kind of weekly scoring. I remember there was one year I, I had either two or three Rockies hitters on my team, and it, it just, you know, when they were on the road, it just completely sank me. So I would say keep that in mind when uh, playing in weekly lineups. You know, too many Rockies could be not a great idea. So it's kind of a slippery slope. Like, you don't want to put too much value. Obviously, you want to target hitters on good teams. But again, that's baked into their price. Use it as a tiebreaker, but... Not much more than that. This one's from Andrew in Norwich in the United Kingdom. Hi, Boomer, Monkey, and LaFonda. This I, I looked this up, and I know what it is now that I looked it up. I These are Mark Maron's cats. <clears throat> Mark Maron, the comedian and podcaster. Gotcha. Who uh, ends his podcast, WTF, by uh, shouting, Boomer lives. That's, that's the, the context in which I understand it. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Love the show. I have a couple of questions. I play in a standard five by five roto league, except it saves plus holds. Should this elevate those relievers in committee situations as if they don't end up being closers, they are likely to pick up holds. And if so, anyone you'd recommend. So oh, I mean, Andrew Kittredge immediately comes to mind. Yeah. yeah That's I, like two thirds of bullpens in baseball, basically. It does. It's always worth pointing out that holds are not, accumulated as quickly as saves are like yes. the saves leaders are always going to be higher than the holds leaders there were only three over 10 only three relievers with 30 plus holds last season so yeah it's even worse yeah. than saves so it's not it's not it, it they're not equal just when they're combined into one category that doesn't mean they're equal um but yeah i think you're but it does broaden the pool right. of potential options Yes, and because and, it takes someone like Devin Williams and makes him a good source of holds, with the upside to be a great source of saves plus holds, which is what someone like Paul Sewald had last season when he yeah. had what eleven or fourteen saves, something like that. Um, and specifically, I think it elevates the value of of the guys who you know are are at least going to factor in the closer role, even if they aren't the true closer. David Bednar, maybe. Giovanni, like Giovanni Gallegos. Yeah, I mean, if 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 he doesn't last, which 
I think there's a good chance he's just more or less the closer. But if he mm-hmm. doesn't last in that role, which is possible as well, then you know he'll be getting a lot of holds. The Mariners guys too. I mean, Ken Giles, Diego Castillo, Paul Seawald. Yeah. I think are in that mix. A few other names. The Marlins situation, you know, I've seen some rumbling, some whispers recently that they may want to work Anthony Bender in there. So whoever doesn't win the role, I guess, Floro or Bender, uh, they should provide good ratios regardless. Not that they're on a mm-hmm. wing team or anything. Uh, I think more often than not, like you want to just in this format, you want to target relievers that have lots of strikeouts, good ratios, and are on good teams because basically that means they're probably yeah. going to give you either holds or saves in, in that scenario. So. In a saves plus holds league, I think basically what it does is it just makes those elite non-closers more valuable, and it pushes them closer closer to the elite closers. So, you know, if someone like Devin Williams, you know, if you think he's going to throw 70 elite innings and get 110 strikeouts, you know, he might end up with 10, 15 fewer saves plus holds than someone like Giovanni Gallegos, who if he pl- stays the closer the whole season, but it dramatically shrinks the gap in value between the two of them. And I think it probably makes the elite closers less valuable. In a saves plus holds league, you shouldn't see this mad rush for for the handful of sure thing closers that we usually see. All right, he does have a second question. Uh, I've been doing my standard draft prep, and as always, I find it easy and interesting to get excited about the top 100, 110 picks. Then I hit a bit of a wall and look at players who are just a bit blah. I tend to find my mind wandering to those deep sleeper slash breakout guys and can find myself getting interested in exciting again. In drafts, I always look at this stretch 110 to 200-ish and just knowing nothing about them and not being excited to take them and making bad choices on the spot or reaching far too early for my sleeper slash breakout guys. How do you get interested in this tier of players? What do you look for at, at this range? This isn't the first time I've heard this too. I've had some other people tweet at me saying like, they look forward to drafting picks 200 rather than like the 150 yeah. to 200 oh, range. I 100% feel that way. Yeah. So and what do you it's so what do you do? <laughs> the further down in the draft you get, the less difference there is between each round. Like w- once you hit probably this range, mm-hmm. your chances of any given pick hitting are probably no better than a coin flip. Mm-hmm. And you're probably going to drop a decent amount of the guys you draft between 120 and 200 anyway. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's that that's why I've always subscribed to a stars and scrubs approach in uh, in, in auction salary cap drafts because of precisely that. I mean, you could spend twelve dollars on a guy that you're likely to drop or you could spend one dollar on a guy you're likely yeah. to drop, you know, so um, I think. A lot of it depends on what your team build is. I, I like taking pitchers in that range personally. You know, my, my preferred draft strategy is probably two pitchers in the first hundred picks, two or three maybe. And then I start loading up on the the higher upside pitchers that I like in that range. Like, you know, Trevor Rogers, if he lasts, Tyler Malley, um, you know, fill in the blank with your personal picks, Patrick Sandoval, Alex Cobb. Um, yeah. But that that's usually just because pitchers are so volatile and the historical data suggests that there isn't that much difference between like the 60 to 100 range at starting pitcher than the 100 through 140. And so that that's generally my approach. And, and you all, in our recent mock draft, Chris, you, I think you ended up taking like O'Neill Cruz in round 13 and there was somebody that you elevated significantly like that. I can't remember now. We were kind of giving you a hard mm-hmm. time 
about it. I think it was Carrasco uh, on on the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. But it's yeah, yeah. There, there comes a point, and and I don't know if it's quite there. It, it may be mm-hmm. a little after that for me. But there comes a point where you know, just just take the guys you want most. You know, mm-hmm. particularly if it's high upside guys like that. Particularly if it's shallower league like that. Yeah. And um, not worry so much about ADP. I mean, you, you think about ADP because obviously you want to maximize the return from every pick, and you're you're trying to like create this perfect path to the end of the draft where you get everybody you want at the most optimal place to get them. But yeah. what what naturally happens as draft season nears opening day is those guys all tend to get elevated because. Somebody like Chris did in that mock is just like, screw it. I'm going to take him because I want him. Yeah, ADP matters a lot less in the last week of drafts. And this is true in every sport. If if you do enough drafts, you'll notice that, you know, most of your first, you know, most of the drafts are pretty predictable. And you can say, all right, this guy's going to go in this range. Once you get to the last like week and everybody's been drafting forever and it's, you know, we tend to split to draft more of our leagues that actually that we're playing out. Um, that's when you start to see people just like, screw it. I'm yeah. not, I'm not going to play the game and, and risk missing out on a guy who I really like. I'm just going to go yep. get the guy. And, and it, so it, it drives me nuts. The, my last few teams I draft are, <clears throat> are always the ones I feel worst about because like people, people stop following the script. And so I don't well, know and what be- to anticipate anymore. You know, I think there's a philosophical thing where you, you talk a lot, a lot about how you rank not just in the order that you got think guys will finish, but where you need to take them. Right. And so you, you try to avoid what I did with O'Neill Cruz, where I moved him up to 150, just yeah. because that's the range where it's like, okay, I'm going to get O'Neill Cruz, and I like the the player, and I like the upside, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. make him a priority. And so, you know, I think that's a philosophical difference. But once people stop going off, start going off script, you know, like the head to head league we did last week when I mean every single pitcher was drafted seemingly um, and like in the first 10 rounds yeah we were, that we were was taking, where like we were taking like Dane Dunning at the end of this 12 yeah, team I think I took Patrick three. Sandoval in like the 10th or 12th round or something which is yeah. way before his ADP suggests but you, you know there there also has to be that flexibility so mm. you know it, it also depends on how the dra- draft is going All right, this next one is from Ben. Dear Chris, Robert, Chris, and Mark. Those are Marvel... It's in my second grade class. I don't know. Marvel superhero actors? Uh, Are those the... Yeah, that's the Avengers, the the OG original four. Mm -hmm. Big four, I guess. Head-to-head league, five by five with OBP instead of average. 12 teams. We keep five each with no cost. So assume top 60 and ADP will be kept. My keepers are Trout... Bichette, Corbin Burns, and Paul Goldschmidt. Should my fifth keeper be Salvador Perez or Josh Hader? I'm scared to keep a catcher because I've kept Sanchez and Rio Muto in 2018 and 2019, and both times have gotten burned. Did Rio Muto burn you in 2020? He was, 2019, he was like a high 700s OPS bet. Um, so, you know, I guess. Like, if Salvador you, Perez was obviously better than so in twenty twenty in twenty twenty JT Real Muto had an eight forty OPS. It was a career high eight forty OPS. So I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know why he's saying he got burned keeping Real Muto in 2019. But but I, I mean like Perez is Perez is in a different class than Real Muto was then or Sanchez was the year before. Like they they may have been the top ranked catcher going into the next season because somebody had to be. But like Salvador Perez is is just we all so have, far ahead of the crop. We all have Sal above Goldschmidt, right? I think so. I definitely do. It's an OBP league, so it's worth mentioning Salvador Perez does lose sure. value in this format. That does hurt Sal a little bit, but there aren't that many catchers who are helpful in, in OBP, so I'm not sure yeah. it changes. But yeah, he is a legitimately bad OBP guy. He might... I mean, he was he he was above 300 OBP last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, but not... But like, I think pretty, it was like around barely. 320. Yeah. It was 316. So, there you go. Not great, but yeah, we'll go with Salvador Perez. Uh, this next one is from Nick. Uh, in a 10-team head-to-head points league with daily lineups, if you think the calf is healed, is it too, is it fair to consider Mike Trout over guys like Vlad and Jose Ramirez? 10-team head-to-head points, daily lineups. I, 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 I can't confidently say Trout will be worse than those guys. No, he feels riskier. Uh, but he's been the best hitter in baseball for the last decade when he's been playing. So, you know, and, and when you're talking about a points league where you, it doesn't really matter if the guy gives you steals, then uh, it's easier to justify Trout over Ramirez in that case. So look, I mean, if, if you're really confident, if, you, if you're really not going to, if if you're not that worried about Trout's health, then it's fine to do this. But I feel like you need to have a little bit of concern there. Yeah. I mean, like, if you guaranteed every player was going to play 162 games, Mike Trout might just be the number one pick. Yeah. He's still, like, that good of a hitter. <laughs> especially, especially in a, a point. Points yeah, especially in a points but, league. You know, I, like Scott said, there's there's risk. And obviously there's risk for everyone. But Ramirez in particular has not had many injury issues. Vlad has had a couple uh, over the course of the three years he's been in the majors, so I don't want to say there's no injury risk there. Um, so I just, yeah, I don't know if you have to take Trout over those guys. And in a ten-team league, like he might just be there in the second round. Mm. Not late in the second. <laughs> uh, not late in the second. Possible, but, but he could fall yeah, to like fifteen, depending on where you're picking. It's possible. It's uh, possible. Just give me a name for the second question. It. Uh, in round two, which injury risk are you most eager to draft? Ronald Acuna, Jacob DeGrom, Shane Bieber. Well, I have Acuna ranked highest of them, so Ronald Acuna. Even in a points league? Points league? Even in a points league. DeGrom I'll, might be ahead of him in a points league. I'll, yeah, well, I mean, that's... I think I do have DeGrom ranked ahead of Bieber, but he says eager to draft, so I'll say Bieber. All right. This was from Anthony. Dear Johan, Francisco, Brad, and Jim. Those are pitchers from the mid two thousands. Twins. Santana. I don't know if they, were they all starters. Francisco Liriano. Liriano. Brad Radke. Brad Radke was he on the that era? Jim. I think he was and around then still. Yeah. Jim something. Around. I don't know. All right. Are you at all concerned about players like Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, etc., who remain unsigned in terms of slow starts this season? Would this be any reason to drop them in the rankings? Do you feel differently about starting pitchers who remain unsigned? Well, all the big starting pitchers have been signed now. Right. I think 
like Michael Pineda is still out there, but nobody were that interested in fantasy. Zach Greinke was the last one. So I, I, you know, I, I don't think I worry about them any more than any other pitcher who's basically getting three weeks to ramp up since they have signed. Um, players who haven't signed at all yet, look, the longer it takes them to sign, the more concerned I'm going to be. But I don't, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, by the end of this weekend, they may have all signed. Yeah, I've, I was... I've heard some whispers about Trevor Story's elbow. Apparently dealt with an elbow injury last year, and some people being worried about that. So, I don't know. Maybe teams are worried as well. I'm, I'm looking up the mid to late 2000s Minnesota Twins pitchers, and I was reminded of a fantastic baseball name. Boof Bonser. Boof. Mm. Bonzer. Long live Boof Bonzer. Uh, I can't figure out who Jim was, though. Jim. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, daddy. All right. It was Brad Radke. Hey, we got a little <laughs> uh, a little Scott White Jr. Yes. there on the on the broadcast. Yes, we do. Let's uh, we'll hit one more and then we'll get out of here. He has something very important to hand to me. <laughs> piece of paper he found on his bedroom floor. Is it another drawing <laughs> of uh, Freddie Freeman? No, it's not. That, right. that was not his drawing. That was the other one's drawing. This one's from uh, Scott Wolf. Hey, guys, real quick. I have the number four pick in my draft. Head-to-head categories, OBP instead of batting average. And my plan was to take Jose Ramirez if he's available. But I just noticed Mookie Betts has second base eligibility on Yahoo. Would you take a dual eligible Mookie over Ramirez? Or is that getting too cute? I would take Ramirez. Too cute. Second base isn't that bad. I agree. Ah, it might be closer for Chris. Chris, I know you're very excited about bets. I think Wookie Betts is going to have a big bounce back season, and OBP helps, certainly. Um, but no, I think I would still take Ramirez over him. All right. We are sweeping the floor. Jose Ramirez across the board. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.